0: Welcome to the Etobicoke Historical Society's monthly oral history podcast. This podcast is one of a series of interviews of senior Etobicoke residents in the 1980s. The interview tapes were recently discovered in the local history room at Richview Public Library. We would like to thank the Toronto Public Library for giving them back to us so they could be made into these podcasts. These oral histories are a valuable and unique view into the history of Etobicoke in the early part of the 20th century, as seen through the personal experiences of local residents. We will be presenting a different interview each month. We hope you enjoy them.
1: Today is Wednesday, July 14th, and it's 1 p.m. I'm talking to Albert Pearson, who farmed in the Richview area of Etobicoke. Albert when did uh, your family get this farm
2: well my great-grandparents moved uh, to Etobicoke in uh, 1839 they moved under lot 19 concession 2 and uh, in 1843 they bought that farm and they farmed it for a number of years and then my grandfather which was Edward, he took over the farm and uh, a number of years later they were building a new barn on the farm and Edward uh, and a lot of the neighbor farmers went to Weston to the railway station to uh, draw the materials home for the barn with teams and wagons and Edward got off the uh, wagon and was holding minding these horses when a train came in and frightened the horses and they ran over them and killed them so after that my father took over the farm now
1: how old would he be when he had to take over the farm
2: I don't know how old he would be at that time
1: is he fairly young though?
2: he would be fairly young yes
1: Now, uh, uh when when did he stop farming near your father
2: he when i got married in uh, 1938 my father and mother moved to weston and uh, my wife and i lived on the farm then for 30 years when we sold the farm for development that was in what what year did you sell it in 1955. 1955. And what, um, what would you be growing on the farm? Well, it was mixed farming and we had uh, Holstein, registered Holstein cattle. We shipped milk to Toronto. And
1: what sort of crops would you have?
2: Well, hay, oats, and barley. And I never grew much corn. I didn't have a silo. Most of the farmers had silos, but I didn't have a silo just fed uh, hay we, we grew pretty good crops and uh, we never short of feed and uh, we used to sell our uh, surplus we we kept about 40 head of cattle and any surplus when well, the american buyers would come and we maybe sell one or two two or three a year for export
1: this would be to the americans why would they the why would they come up here to uh, ontario
2: well they like the canadian cattle
1: were yours very popular
2: well they were very popular yes quite often the buyers would come through the country and to the different farmers especially the ones that had registered cattle and if you had one to sell well you made a deal and, and they'd send a truck and pick it up and ship it across the border
1: how much would they do you remember how much they would be you know, sort of well, at
2: that time, we would get maybe 300 400 I think about $500 is the most I ever got for one.
1: Is that, is that a good price, or...?
2: Well, that was a pretty good price, unless you had uh, extra excellent records on them. I wasn't on ROP, which is record of performance, and uh, if you had records uh, which were very good, they'd demand a little better price.
1: Now, uh, would you have any other
2: animals on the on the farm? Well, we until we started mechanizing the farm, we used horses right up till World World War Two. Well, then labor be- became very scarce, hard to get any help. Prior to that, I always kept a hired man. My brother was on the next farm, and uh, so then we bought tractors and and mechanized the farm we bought our machinery jointly and we worked together during the seeding and the haying and the harvest time
1: what type of horses would they be Clydesdales or uh,
2: yeah draft horses horses, Clydes, Clydes and some perchers now uh,
1: how uh, when you when you were growing up on the farm when did you first start having to do chores around well, I
2: used to do some chores when I'd go home from school. When the men would be out in the field seating, i'd I'd go in and do some of the chores, have them done when they got in.
1: Let's say in a uh, an average day while you're going to school, what time what would you have to do? like before you before you went to school and then and then after?
2: Well, sometimes we would have to get up and take our turns, help to milk the cows when when we milk by hand. As I say, at when World War II came along, well then we put in a milking machine, and we used to milk, but when I was going to school, why, well, it was all hand milking at that time. People hardly ever heard tell of a milking machine then. So uh, if a man happened to be away, my dad would call us five o'clock in the morning, Albert, come on, help us milk the cows.
1: So it was a pretty I long day. I wasn't too fond of
2: that. <laughs> Now,
1: uh, school itself, what, uh,
2: what school did you go to?
1: To the Ritchie School. Ritchie School. Where, where was that located? It yeah, was just
2: the second farm below us, was at the corner of the, uh, what was then, the Ritchie side was in Martinville. Now how many, how
1: many students would be in there if you...
2: Oh, about, uh, thirty I presume.
1: From all, all years? All grades, eighth grades in
2: the one classroom.
1: And what sort of atmosphere would be, be in it?
2: Well, it was pretty good yeah no problem I think that uh, I think uh, the system worked pretty well
1: the uh, teacher hauled out the strap when someone got out of hand or
2: yeah I've seen that ha- used too a few times but I don't think I ever got it myself now uh,
1: you were you had two farms beside each other at one point I believe
2: yes well the farm that my wife and i were on my dad that was a next to the farm that my grandfather great my great-grandfather had bought and, uh, and then my dad bought the next farm to it in 1907 that'd be two years after my grandfather was killed he bought another farm so then he had the 200 acres then what did he do with the uh, spare house well it was a a, a bungalow on there with uh, stone walls the walls were 18 inches thick with plastered on the outside and on the inside and uh, we took all the petitions out of it and they used it as a clubhouse the farmers club held their meetings there and the young people's organization met there and had parties and they had dances and uh, really was quite a community center and that uh, lasted until 1925 when one of my brothers got married and and uh, so we tore that house down and built a new house right on the same site part of the same foundation was used and we just added to it and made a bigger house a two-story house and my wife and I lived there for 30 years and then it was torn down it was rented for a while after we left well then eventually it was torn down but it was a real good house seven room house
1: how was the heating in it good
2: furnace in it furnace in it. coal and wood furnace
1: now uh your uh the mimico creek ran through your farm in richfield and uh your house that you're living in now is is on mimico creek
2: yes we had the mimico creek ran through the rear of the farm right back by 27 highway and uh, when they started to build 27 highway they diverted the creek in our place and they took three acres off the rear of the farm for that diversion and uh, well then when we moved down here we bought a, a lot that's 630 feet long and we have still have the Mimico Creek in the rear of our lot where we live now
1: how's the uh has the creek changed much since you oh, remember the it creek as a It's
2: ca- changed entirely since Hurricane Hazel. It used to be that there was quite still ponds and then a rapids between and the water would just trickle from one to the other. And in fact, in the summertime it would cease to flow completely. And uh, but now the water runs very rapidly all the time since all the industry was built farther up and all the molten areas all eventually drains into this creek and it flows very fast now, and it's quite polluted. There's no life in it now. There used to be frogs and minnows and chub and bass. The suckers used to come up in the spring, but we never see any of that life anymore. Did
1: you, I gather you fished in it then?
2: Oh, we used to fish. Harold Stonehouse and I used to fish all the time in the summertime, during the holidays, we'd be down there every day that we didn't have something else to do.
1: Do you remember the biggest fish you caught?
2: Well, oh, it'd be about six inches long, the chub.
1: Was it? Was there any spots or deep enough you could sort of go swimming in, or?
2: Yes, there was a place in our place about five feet deep where we, used to, the boys, come from all directions and used to congregate there on Sundays, Sunday afternoons, maybe Saturday if we had a day off. Uh, any sort of organized
1: sports or like anyone played baseball or hockey
2: yes there was there was and there was what we call football and now they call it soccer and uh, there wasn't they had a team of a soccer team and used to play other uh, communities but mostly we just played among ourselves and make make up our own teams and play baseball or Hockey on the creek was we'll just get sticks. We didn't even have bottom hockey sticks. We'd get a bent stick off the, out of the bush. Maybe use a stone for a puck.
1: Must have hurt if you got hit with it.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we didn't use
1: the slap shots like they do now. <laughs> I guess it'd be pretty hard with a stick. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, where did you uh, where did you go to go shopping?
2: Western. Weston. Weston was our we call that our hometown we're four miles from Weston
1: now everyone did everyone in the area use that
2: everyone in that above the Richview side road they all seem to go to Weston
1: uh, you say above what the Richview side road what about yeah. the people below below
2: that I think they mostly went to Islington
1: seems even if it was say one farm below they would go down to Islington they would
2: go to Islington the Richview side road seemed to be the dividing
1: line now, uh, did you ever go anywhere uh, as a when you were
2: growing up um, down in Toronto or? Oh yes, my mother used to be very good at taking taking us out on picnics. We sometimes go down to Long Branch. It was quite a park there at that time, and sometimes we'd go down to the docks and get on the boat and go to Port Dalhousie or or over to Niagara Falls, and uh, she was very good at taking us on picnics uh, sometimes never miss a summer that we didn't go somewhere like that
1: now oh, if you went down to Long Branch where would you uh, have your picnic there
2: well there's was a park right at the lake on the lakefront
1: how long would it take you to get down there
2: well I guess it would take you about an hour I guess this was by horse yeah horse and buggy yeah we had a, a two-seated lift. And they call it a buggy or a wagon. It was a light wagon, I guess um, how did you uh how did you meet your wife? Well, I met her at Richview Church. They moved into the community and and uh, I started taking her home from church
1: Now uh, the church uh, was that sort of a gathering place for everyone to sort of gossip or Oh the church was really the
2: center of the community. A lot of social activities went on at the church.
1: What sort of activities would they be?
2: Well, they would have uh, of course at Christmas time they always had a concert and uh, most of the young people took part in it and there would be box socials and crokinole tournaments never any card parties in the church at that time I believe some of the churches now do have card parties but they didn't then but they used to have a lot of uh, parties uh, euchre parties in the houses around the different houses a lot of the farm uh, houses had very large kitchens and they would accommodate a lot of people and sometimes have dances and, uh, mr. Dixon used to call off for square dances and there was another mr. George Dixon who used to play a violin play the fiddle for dances you yeah, know they had pretty good times the um, other than the square dancing uh,
1: what sort of would what sort of dances would you have
2: well the round dances like foxtrots and waltzes
1: who would provide the music for that
2: well they always had somebody playing a fiddle what about and there was no money involved, it was all, everyone donated their time. And food and you know, all that. Now,
1: uh, how about, the uh, church played a very important part, as you've been saying, in the community. Um, how about liquor?
2: Never any liquor in the neighborhood. No, Nobody ever thought of it, never wanted it.
1: now besides the um the farms that your grandfather and father owned in uh, in riverside the two farms i mean uh, richfield um uh, did your family have any other property
2: well my grandfather had a farm at weston and, and the riverside cemetery was bought from him they bought 10 acres from him and a group of weston people that felt the need of a cemetery there so they my grandfather sold them the ten acres and in lieu of payment he took the shares in the company and they called it the Riverside uh, Cemetery Company and uh, now I don't know whether he got any cash at all or not but I know he did get a lot of shares and they passed down from one generation to the next and uh, my three uh, my My father and my two uncles both got shares after my grandfather died, and uh, well then eventually I got, one of my brothers and myself got the shares that my father had, and uh, we still have the shares in the company.
1: Now, what time was that, uh, did he sell the uh, land to the cemetery?
2: That was uh, 18, trust I have the dates too in the 1890s now uh,
1: the how would uh you go about uh, courting uh you know you met your wife uh, at, at church
2: well i started taking her home from church Well, then she was going to business college and uh, down in west toronto and she would board during the week at islington so I used to drive her down to Islington and uh, with the buggy, horse and buggy, and uh, Sunday nights I'd drive her down to Islington, and quite often your sister too, she went too, didn't she? And uh, that was the start of it. Sometimes then, and, and during the week, uh, maybe on a Wednesday night, I'd go down and uh, we'd drive down to Lambton, put the, tie the horse up in the shed at the Lambton they had a shed there for tying up horses, and we'd get on the streetcar and go down to West Toronto to the Beaver Theater or to the Naviti Theater. There was the two theaters there at that time. And uh, then come out and get the horse and come home again.
1: Now, how would you, would you get uh, all dressed up for, for one of these dates, or? Oh,
2: yeah, we all dressed up, yes.
1: Did you bring along flowers?
2: Oh, not, not too often. Sometimes I guess.
1: The uh, your parents insist on a chaperone of any sort or no, any, never. No. They they trusted you. We
2: were trusted. <laughs> 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 never questioned as to when we came in at nights or or how often we went out. Of course, we didn't go out every night. I guess that made a difference. Maybe two or three times a week at the most.
1: Now, how long would you uh, would you court? Or did you uh, go out with uh
2: Well, our courtship was a long time. My wife was... She got up to earning $25 a week, and she hated to give that up. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a lot of money those days.
1: Now, where, where, where was she working?
2: She worked at the Willis Overland Company, where they made the Overland cars. Willis Knight and Overland cars now uh so that was what how many how
1: many years was
2: well she worked there for a good many years i guess 25 years or so and then they went out of business and then she worked for uh, a lawyer a lawyer i think now uh for a while you said your your
1: courtship was quite long was that normal then She go for
2: no not necessarily ours was longer than normal i didn't get married until i was 35 and she was crawling up to that too so uh, uh
1: how about uh other people have said they had uh, an interesting little custom called the chivalry uh after the honeymoon were you uh did they put oh, on one of those for you or yes yeah
2: we had a chivalry they had a chivalry uh, party for us too
1: now how, what's it like going through one of those sessions of, of oh, noise making
2: yeah that's kind of nice i guess
1: they didn't wake you up in the middle of the night with their their banging and
2: i don't, don't think they did lost did they I, I think it was after we'd gone to bed uh, but, uh, then there was another couple uh, that had been married just about around the same time so then they had a joint party for us in the uh, in the school and made a presentation gave us a present the whole neighborhood was there that night. Where
1: would uh, people go for their honeymoon?
2: Well, we went to New York. We drove to New York. And we were... New York City? New York City, yeah.
1: Was it quite a ways to go then?
2: It was quite a quite a ways. I had uh, I'd bought a, an eight-cylinder car. The first Ford eight, with an eight-cylinder in it. 1932 Ford and it was a dandy running car and uh, I drove to New York and uh, I didn't drive right downtown we parked the car and got on the subway and went down about 15 miles underground and we stayed at the Taft Hotel I think for three dollars a night <laughs> cheaper to there than it was in the King Edward we stayed the n- first night of the King Edward in Toronto it cost us more there than it did in New York
1: (laughs) would would a lot of people go down to New York City for their honeymoon or
2: no I don't think so
1: or Niagara Falls was that a popular spot with your neighbors
2: I don't think many of our friends uh, went very far when they got married we went about as far as any of them did (laughs) Um,
1: now uh, when you are you're growing up and going to school what sort of uh games would would you would you play with with your with your chums other than say organized sports would
2: well we played uh, we played cards a lot all kinds mm-hmm. of kids games with cards and, and then and we, we played a lot of euchre we still do we still go to a euchre party and some of the same people go to the same party and I started going to them when, with my parents and we still have the Richview yoga parties every two weeks during the winter time
1: now in the in the Richview area were there anyone any uh, grocery stores that that would deliver?
2: yes there was a a grocer from uh, Weston, a fellow by the name of Shields, and he used to deliver. And there was a, a butcher, Fred Simpson. He del- delivered meat once a week. In fact, when we were thrashing we'd always order a roast from him, and always got good roasts.
1: How do they work? Cash on the cash on the barrelhead, or do they work out at some sort of credit system, or?
2: Well,
1: I think it was usually cash. Now, there was one store in in
2: Richview. What did, did they deal in? Well, when I was quite young, it was a butcher shop. A fellow of Lou LaRose uh, ran it. And it was a, he had a, an abattoir there he killed there. And uh, he sold a lot of meat from there. He used to buy veal calves from the farmers. And uh, after he gave up, the fellow by the name of Ted Manning took it over and uh, but he didn't run it as a butcher shop he ran it more as a general store he had clothing and boots and a little bit of everything and, uh, quite a jumble of things if you wanted it you wouldn't ask him for something well you would have to start looking You maybe have to dig down and find find it down underneath somewhere
1: now the Richie was a strictly a farming area but any sort of People who were slightly eccentric, you know, Had did things in a slightly different way from everyone else. Is there anyone that stood out in your mind, you know, that was unique?
2: Well, I don't know that there was. There were you know, a pretty good lot of people, and uh, there was a few. Uh, or three families that really didn't take part in the neighborhood they lived more to themselves but they were still good neighbors and uh, they didn't do anyone any harm and but they never went out to uh, socially like the re- like the most of them did so i guess they just didn't like taking part in social things um
1: go back to the church
0: what
2: what would happen
1: if uh, you decided one day you decided this Sunday I'm not going to church Was it did that ever cross cross your mind or this Sunday I'm you know I'm just not going to go next Sunday I will but
2: well I guess it happens sometimes yes but then uh, usually the people that went to church usually went most Sundays
1: wasn't did they ever anyone ever stop by during the week and say yeah sir I didn't see you in church they ever if you didn't go one week, did anyone ever question you about it or?
2: No, I can't recall anyone doing that.
0: Thanks for listening to the Etobicoke Historical Society's Oral History Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and like. If you wish to learn more about the work of our society, be sure to visit www.etopicalhistorical.com. See you next month!